0: Hi guys welcome back to the Earthy Delights podcast and um, we've had a bit of a hiatus after the coronavirus episode and one of the podcasts that we were going to record um, when we were planning to go to London was with my good old friend Leah Palin uh, and we're going to talk about anxiety today which is something that I'm interested in as I haven't really had any kind of first-hand um, experience with it so but before we get on with any of that it's obviously we're going to start with what's the crack so Leah what is the crack?
1: Hello Seb, thank you very much for having me on. Um, I am, obviously my name is Leah, I'm 25, um, was currently living in London and I've moved to Marlborough um, and at the moment I feel my mental health is, it's very like up and down so one minute I'll feel like I'm on top of the world and then the next minute I kind of feel like I don't even want to leave the house and I'm not really capable of anything but I think obviously everyone has those days. Um, and one of the reasons i did move out of london is because i'm sure of many of you know that do live there um it can really take it out of you and it had a massive impact on my anxiety levels and depression for sure
0: Mm. and uh are you starting to feel slightly better now that you've moved out to Marlborough? i know like it's only been you've only moved out recently but have you seen an effect
1: uh yeah for sure i think it was just more i needed a bit more peace of mind in terms of my surroundings and having it was it's quite a claustrophobic city to live in London like there's no chill whether you're in your bedroom or not you can always hear things there's always stuff going on there's violence as much as it is amazing and a very good city to go and get experience, it's, it is like you really need to know what you're getting yourself into but um, yeah I'm around the countryside I go on my walks kind of going back to my old roots of horse riding I've got dogs with me which is great Um, and yeah I think I think I think hopefully this is going to help a lot in the long run
0: good stuff no I I sympathize I when I go down to London um, to visit like friends and stuff uh, after like a couple of days obviously I'm only there normally for a weekend at a time but I'm always like knackered even if I haven't actually done that much just the hustle and bustle of it and like the difference between living in Madrid and London where obviously Madrid's a capital city but it's just there's so much more chill over here and it feels like you can get off the main kind of streets within a couple of left or right turns. Whereas in London, it just feels regardless of where you are, there's always traffic. There's always human traffic. There's always people. It's just never, it literally is a city that never sleeps. So I I completely understand, um, uh, what you were going through. Um, so yeah so should we start get on with the main segment because I feel like this kind of is a perfect little segue into um anxiety and what you've been dealing with
1: yeah absolutely go for it
0: perfect so Leah I'm just going to start off really really simple um could you just explain anxiety to me? And the reason I'm asking something that kind of almost stupid is be just because I've never really had it. And knowing you from school, uh, obviously you can never you can never tell what's going on on the inside. But it always seemed as it never seemed as if you did have anxiety. So I'm just interested in to seeing like how you felt and how or feel now currently, and um, what anxiety means for you and
1: how it's seen. Okay sure Uh, yeah so I think well I know obviously anxiety is very different for a lot of people and it comes in all types of forms and it can come in waves or you can have it for life or you can not really know that you've got it the list goes on Um, but in general for me it's something I think I did develop around my school days um, but I wasn't overly aware of it I just thought I might be quite a shy and anxious person but obviously Seb you know me I'm not like shy but I think in terms of self-worth i i I lacked quite a lot of it um it kind of
0: right
1: it's almost like so i people will see me as a very confident person and be able to talk to anyone or like not really shy out of a situation um but inside my head it's almost like i am overcompensating myself and my confidence to kind of cover up like a mask so Mm. I think it's quite hard for me to talk about when I'm in school because I can't really remember the mindset, but I just, I know over the past couple of years, especially when living in London, my anxiety has just been like, got to a point where I didn't want to leave the house. And it's not like I'm stood there being anxious. It's literally your brain kind of telling you, like talking your way out of things because you're overthinking the outcome and you think it's going to be a lot more difficult than it is. Like, uh, for example, I'll, right. I'll start like a project and I'll be so into it and I'll be so enthusiastic. And then I'll sort of, I'm, I, this is not as bad as it has been in the past, but like I'll like talk myself out of it and just not really be asked because I'll think that if I go into something else, I'll be happier. It's like my brain's constantly looking for um, little bursts of happiness rather than sticking it out and going through
0: mm.
1: a difficult stage to get a better outcome, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, of course, yeah, yeah. But I've had panic attacks and stuff as well. It's like you kind of just feel like you're never really going to feel anything but what you're feeling. And it's like crying, hyperventilating. You don't really know why. Um, but after you've done it, you feel so much better. But, yeah, that's pretty much what anxiety feels like to me.
0: Right. And is... Um... So when when you're talking about um, self, what some you know some people who don't know you, uh, this is just how I saw you, and I think how maybe most others saw you in, in school, and maybe in like the Lincoln scene. Obviously, Lincoln's a even it's a city it's basically a town it's that small so everyone kind of knows everyone um and you were always like obviously you're I mean you're still a pretty good you're still like a beautiful girl now but you're obviously a, a good looking girl at school you're always kind of um you know I hate to use the word but that popular in the popular group uh you always had like loads of friends or at least that's how it seemed anyway um did did your self-confidence was that ever um a physical thing as well just because i know that especially for girls it's especially when you're at school and stuff it can be a real um a real factor for for girls is it was that ever a problem or were you like i'm just trying to see if that maybe was what instigated it or something or were you kind of confident within within that
1: uh so I've got quite a deep level of understanding to do with like anxiety and mental health and where it all comes from, but I'll get to that in a minute. Um, mm. Yeah. A lot of it did come from the whole physical aspect. Cause you're constantly sort of comparing yourself. And I know we had social media back then as well. And it was just, we start. I started to be, sort of develop like an unhealthy mindset of comparison. And I think, I know I was always quite slim. Like I was, I've never been overweight. I've always been quite a fit and healthy person, but like, I think, you will just compare yourself to like a pretty another pretty girl or someone or like a boy won't fancy you back so then you think you're not good enough um so I think a lot of that like anxiety will all kind of stem from situations when you were younger when your brain is developing and you're learning new things so you'll like attach yourself to something from years ago and you won't realize that you're doing it you're subconsciously kind of like putting up a barrier and be like oh I can't do that I'm not going to do that or that situation is really going to hurt me so I'm not going to do it does that make sense (laughs)
0: yeah yeah no of course yeah yeah and then was and so then um with the so that's obviously the physical side of it and which is you know surprising for me to hear obviously because like i said i mean you were Obviously, I mean, you know, what does it say? Beauty's in the eye of the polder. But I mean, I thought so. And I think many of the other lads and girls at school always kind of saw you as one of the, uh, let's say, better looking of the year. Um, I think most people would have been happy to call you their girlfriend. So it's kind of funny that it just goes to show that it doesn't matter how beautiful someone is perceived to be. Like even that person can, can be struggling with, you know, with... Um, with some sort of physical kind of crisis because I you, you always think originally that it's like these ugly Betty types, whether it's a boy or a girl, you know, it's the fat person, it's the person with receding hairline, it's the person with this that's that's thinking about their physical appearance. So you kind of just think that people who are stereotypically good looking don't ever kind of uh, worry about it. So so it's kind of interesting for me to hear that. Do you think as well, um like the your school grades, did that ever have like an effect on how like your self-worth and stuff and how you valued um yeah just forgetting about the physical side of things but your you know your your the your insight your personality your your mental your mental aspect your you know because obviously we're always comparing grades comparing what university we got into and I know you had some problems at university so do you think that ever that impacted it or
1: I mean I knew my, my grades were all right I probably could have done better but like I got into uni blah 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 and then I think I don't know I think throughout the start of uni was quite a big thing for my mental health because I'd never really gotten to know myself properly outside of school you know you're always trapped in that school bubble especially the school that I went to before cars obviously Um, and I never really had that outside world experience so when I think I think when I went to uni I kind of I don't really know what happened in my head I can't remember but I just I I think I hit like a massive depression and I think because around that time as well I'd stopped riding horses because of my injury I just I went through like a deep kind of depression where I didn't really know it and I knew that I wasn't happy with my home life either and I was just getting really attached to my boyfriend who was living in Scotland and it just wasn't healthy so I packed it all in went home and then started working but I think because I had so much like Oh my god! I'm the only one that's dropped out. When I wasn't at the time, I didn't know this. I'm, I'm the only one that's dropped out. Like I'm, not, I'm never going to amount to anything. Like everyone's doing so well, and I'm not. And I think that's when the real comparison and anxiety started to stem. Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely academically, not that I'm not capable of going to uni and getting grades. Like I, I, I know that for a fact. But I think in the, like back then, I did not realise what I was doing or why I was doing it. Mm. my choices weren't as clear and like now i'll make a decision that i want to do something in my life and it'll kind of i'll i'll have a meaning to it whereas back then i'll just kind of like i was just like following the system just following sheep and not really having my own what's the word not really having my own outlook no not really having my own perception of the way that i should be going i was just listening to so many other people
0: yeah yeah, it's easy to fall into that, like just that rat race and comparing yourself to everyone else. Like I remember there was a couple of people at, uh, at Cards who didn't go to uni, but because they decided not to, and I always said um, that they were like the bravest people because even though they had the grades to go to uni, they decided that an apprenticeship was better for them. And, you know, especially at our grammar school is a grammar school, so you're kind of expected to go to university, weren't you? So mm-hmm. I always thought that it's just so when it's expected of you and you do anything other than that you're always kind of slightly seen as a failure even though that may not be the case you know for example um one of our friends from Cars who did choose to do an apprenticeship he's earning i don't know it's not all about earning but he's earning way more and seems to be happy in his job compared to a lot of um, other like a lot of us who have gone to university and now we're in a load of debt and maybe exactly. not all of the happiest and do you know what i mean but at the time he was seen as a failure and all the rest of us were seen as these uh really intelligent folks who were going to university and sometimes i wonder who who was a smarter one but um do you think as well like you sent me some notes over before the podcast and I read some of them and some of them were, um, I, I kind of agreed with and I saw, uh, and I was going to bring them up. So it was good to see that you've, you've noticed that those not faults, but those things within you as well. And one of the things is, um, that you keep, that you would always kind of flip flop between something. So you, like you said at the very start of the recording, you would you would start something and then after a month or two you'd start something else or you'd leave that. Or I remember you once you got like you have or you always managed to get amazing jobs. And then after like six months or so, I'd be like, oh, how, how are you doing in whatever it was the BMW sales job or whatever? And you'd be like, oh, I've left that now. I'm doing something else. What do you think that was down to?
1: Do you know what I'm really? It, this 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 conversation could get really deep but I think a lot of it was to do with um so one side of my life I had like my father telling me that I shouldn't go to uni and I should start my own business and I should do this and I should do that and then my other side was my mum telling me no you need to go to uni you need to get a degree and then with my, whatever my friends are doing and I think I'm not going to delve too much into my family life but I think a lot of my upbringing no, had a funny. massive impact on the way that I've grown up and the way that I see things I think I find myself a lot of the time confused and thinking why can I never like stick at something and something more like inconsistency um mm. I can't remember what your question was now again sorry
0: <laughs> no just just that like what, where do you think that inconsistency kind of came from Did you, so is it that you were stuck between a pillar and a rock and a hard place with your mum and dad you know one's telling you to get into the real world and the other one's telling you education is the way forward and
1: I just think or, I um something else. I think that my inconsistency just came from having the confidence and ambition to do something but not actually no, having the ambition to do something but not actually having the confidence to take action. So I'd like dip my toes in and kind of think, oh, I'm not getting a quick fix. I'm not successful yet, so I'm going to move on. Like right. It could it could stem from so many different things, but I think it does boil down to the way that my perception was around that time given my upbringing
0: mm. and do you would you say that that's better now have you like improved in that aspect or are you still kind of struggling with those inconsistencies
1: uh I do I do struggle with them I have done over the past year quite a lot but I'm really trying to especially now I moved out of London I have a bit more energy and a bit more focus um so I'm really trying to like get on top of my fitness and just keep re- reminding myself that little habits lead to big rewards and I've not I, yeah. I've always only ever looked at the bigger picture of things and wondered why I've not gone, got somewhere straight away whereas I'm slowly learning that we do need to build like an empire for ourselves and yeah, yeah. I'm making sure that that happens for me hopefully <laughs>
0: It's, it's funny you say that, actually, because I was listening to a podcast yesterday and um, it was with uh, a former Navy SEAL. So I always think, I mean, if you're going to learn from anyone, you might as well learn from the best. And the guy was saying that um, his, uh, his kind of key to success is keeping your world small and so he was saying that for example in um, navy seals they have this one week called hell week where basically um the recruits recruitment who are trying to get who are trying to become navy seals basically they have like two hours sleep throughout the whole five days and then they've got to do these like the worst imaginable tasks ever when they're completely drained physically and mentally uh and then he said that what the way that he found the best way to get through that was just to see as look every six hours they have to feed me. So if I can just get through the next six hours, then I'm on that little bit closer. And then you add on six hours, six hours, six hours, six hours, six hours, six hours. six hours, And before you know it, you've done the five days. Whereas he said, if you looked at it from the beginning and you go, Oh my God, I've still got another four days of this. You would drop out because there's just no way your brain could even, even fathom how you would keep going. When you looked at that picture, like that big picture, and I thought that's actually really, obviously it makes sense, but it's a really kind of just an interesting and simple way to look at things of just keep your world small. So just keep it all small, just look at the next step. And, you know, it's that whole thing of, you know, what is it? The, the cliches, a, a journey of a thousand miles has to start, begins with one step. But I mean, they're cliches, but they're true. And I think I, I, I think we can all kind of sympathize with you with that where you get into something and you think, you look at the big picture, you look at the final goal and you go, that is just so far off. Uh, There's no way I'm going to be able to achieve that. But then if you do it just one step at a time, it can be so much more manageable. I mean, I remember when I did the half marathon without training because I'm an idiot and I'm lazy and people said, oh, you're going to quit, you're going to quit. And I was like, I won't because all I'm going to do is I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other until I finish those 13 miles. Whereas if I thought of it as like, at the start line said you've got 30 miles to do I probably would have quit because it just would have seemed impossible you know so I think like that lesson that you've come like, that you've learned about just taking it one step at a time small picture stuff which eventually leads to the big picture is like invaluable and obviously if it helps you with your anxiety then even better I guess um how has it been um you know you're talking about Uh, like your self-worth and stuff and and maybe not necessarily kind of having a direction and not knowing whether education was the way forward or whether it was the real world and getting job experience and stuff how has that been for you in terms of knowing like not whether whether you have a goal now or not but not know not having a goal and not having that sense of direction is that has that been a massive kind of cause of your anxiety
1: Uh, Yeah, definitely. Uh, But to be honest, I don't really think that I've seen it like that over the years. I've not thought it's my anxiety that's the problem. It's like I am my own worst enemy and I have learned that everything is my fault, as in everything that comes into your life is your responsibility, whether that you be getting sacked or you not getting into uni or you not going to run today or someone actually crashing into your car. Yeah, It's not really your fault, but it's your responsibility to deal with the aftermath of it, whether it's fair or not. Mm. Um but I think, yeah, lack of direction, I keep I kept thinking that I had a direction and then I'd kind of get it's like my brain got bored or I'd just like I I don't know, it's really hard to explain. It's almost like my brain was quite foggy. Um but now I've tried to kind of implement the like smaller steps to where I actually want to go and just try just like it's almost like I'm too impatient to Mm. kind of like I'm trying to learn patience to get to where I want to be so yeah it has calmed my head down a lot and just knowing that I do need to be consistent otherwise I'm not gonna get where I want to be um but yeah I think hopefully my head stays on a level plane but I know obviously everyone's going to be worrying at the minute about the virus and (laughs) any future plans aren't really going to be in a massive thought process right now for everyone but I feel like it's important to know that this is not going to last forever we are going to see each other again money will return the government will help and there is always a light at the end of the tunnel
0: yeah, it's interesting you said that. Obviously, guys, we're, re- we're recording this um, during the coronavirus breakdown. Um, I've been in lockdown now for 13 days and I'm going stir crazy. I've shaved my head like Britney Spears. Um, so, so yeah, I may be not dealing with it the best. But um, I, wa- I did want to ask whether, you know, obviously these are unprecedented times and no one could have ever imagined, um, you know, th- that this would ever happen. And and I think even maybe the most Zen masters maybe struggling somewhat uh, in these times so i was wondering how is it with some you know you've you were, you've struggled with anxiety quite openly and and during let's call it let's just say in inverted commas normal times and has it been for you now where you know people are panicking constantly you see them buying all the toilet roll buying all the food it looks like it's the end of the world it feels like we're in some sort of film has have you you seem like you've kind of actually got a good hold on things you seem a lot more calm than some people I've been speaking to but um how has that been for you has it kind of has it knocked you back has it brought up that anxiety again or have you kind of um been able to ride that wave a little bit
1: do you know what and I think you probably might disagree with me on what I'm about to say I'm not too sure but (laughs) this is wholeheartedly my belief um I genuinely I have barely any anxiety about this um I'm like and it's not because I don't care. I care a lot. And I care for the safety of my friends and family, obviously. And I really, really respect yeah. what the NHS are doing. Like, hats off to them. They are incredible. Um, But I think... <sighs> it's really hard to put into words. I think that this world, like, needed this detachment from humans, from the human race. Like, it needs to breathe. And I think... Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get all spiritual on this, but it's like the the, the the earth needs a cleanse. And I don't think that we would have carried on for as long as we're going to as humans, if we didn't have this happen. And it's kind of like a realization that there are so many things happening. And it's like, what, what when something like this happens, what matters? What, what is all that matters? Your family, your friends, your health, your support workers, that is it. Nothing else matters. Yeah. Not the big investment banks, not, not the big bankers, not, blah blah blah, you know what I mean it's Mm. we as humans are really getting to touch base with what matters who we are and having time to actually sit and think rather than being wrapped up in such a commercial world but Mm. I know it's obviously not good for the economic industry and I completely respect that but I just think that as human beings money will always return and things will get better and I know I'm speaking from someone that sat in a house that I that with with my best friends and I'm you know I'm not fully on lockdown yet but what I mean is in the bigger picture to that I think that it is you can take a lot of good from this as well
0: yeah no I I I don't disagree with that at all I think um look we all know it's a shit situation and unfortunately there's going to be there's already been a lot of casualties and and it's just a fact that there will be more uh uh, so that's obviously devastating news, but I, there's, I always, I genuinely believe this. I always think there's a silver lining to any situation. There is a positive, there is a, or maybe not, maybe not a positive, but a lesson even from the worst of situations. Right. And I think maybe sometimes it's harder to find those lessons, Um, you know, when something terrible has happened, but you, so you talk about pandemic and you go, oh well, what's the positive in that, but you've outlined it perfectly. And I think, you know, when, when there is nothing else that could ever stop the world globally the way it has done. And, um, I think it's made people, like you said, uh, you know, really kind of reevaluate what they think is important. Re, um, reestablish, uh, some relationships because at the end of the day, that is all that we have as humans. You know, we are hunter gatherers. We are supposed to be in communities and being in lockdown, being, you know, mandated by the government that you can't go and spend mother's day with your mother and that you can't do this you can't do that being told that you have to stay inside some people who maybe live alone you know they're gonna have to be inside for a certain amount of time alone i mean that's what that's what we do to prisoners you know that that is what we how we punish the worst people in our society is by sending by putting them in a, in a cell alone um and so i think that there are lessons you know just my personal situation i found that um you know my mum and dad obviously like i said before on this podcast they've gone through a divorce and and it's for the first time kind of since that divorce has happened they're back on speaking terms and they're looking out for each other and you know my dad's got a restaurant so my mum is trying to help him find all of the different you know government um, help schemes that are helping you know small businesses and stuff and my dad is doing the the opposite because my mum's a self-employed lawyer so she, so so all of a sudden you had these two estranged people who are now looking out for each other. And isn't it weird that a pandemic is what's caused that? But I think it's because when you, when when shit comes, when push comes to shove and shit hits the fan, you realize, look, okay, whether it's my parent situation, you got divorced or it's a friend that you had an argument with, you go, in reality, is it really that important when you're faced with life and death consequences, you know? And so I think you're completely right. And, and, and it is, it's, it's it's a, it's a, time that we've been given maybe by mother nature that we should try to make the most of look we're all going to be stuck in the house so you might as well do something with that time you've been given and if that means that you can readdress some long lost friendships or or maybe just right some wrongs or maybe just apologize to someone who who you've wronged a year or two ago and you never really got around to it because you because you're busy and you're in you know you're in the rat race and who cares and blah 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 well this is just a time just to calm down just to realize what's important and look the the economic devastation is gonna is definitely going to be a fallout of this but like you said the most important thing is the relationships that we have and so if you can if this can put those in those relationships into perspective then maybe maybe there's something that we can take from this horrible situation you know
1: Mm -hmm. I mean
0: just looking at us we've we've spoken more in this this time um than we probably have in the last year or two and I mean obviously we were trying to get organised for the podcast and i was supposed to come out to London to see you for it and so it's a bummer that that's been Mm cancelled but even still you know the fact that we're having this conversation and whatever else is maybe slightly in part due to coronavirus so there are definitely positives from that um I wanted to ask as well um has uh you know you when when you were at school and then when you kind of went into university Mm-hmm. You were, I don't want to say that you were one of those girls who always had a boyfriend, mm. but I mean, like we've, you know, we've mentioned before, you're good looking, you're popular, so it wasn't exactly hard for you to find them. Um, but you did kind of have them fairly regularly. And then you kind of went through a bit of a period where you like kind of stopped and I noticed that like, oh, like Leah's been single for a good while now, which was unusual to me. Um, do you think that that kind of, you've mentioned before how you were kind of dependent on your boyfriend in Scotland. Mm. Do you think that that had um a negative impact because you were kind of so invested in a relationship in someone else and you kind of didn't afford yourself the time to work on yourself before you got into a relationship you know was that maybe potentially the reason why some of these broke down
1: uh yeah no i think so for sure um a lot uh, to be fair i think um throughout the two relationships that i did had one was a year i think the other one was a year and a half um yeah I kind of I didn't really allow myself to focus on what I wanted, or it was just more about that person. When I'm next seeing them, what are our plans together? Blah blah blah, and I kind of let everything else slide a little bit. I don't really know why, um, but I think when I did break up with them, I kind of found a completely new self and started becoming a lot more confident and working on myself a lot more um yeah I did have anxiety but I kind of I I think I matured a lot throughout those years that I was single Mm. for sure um but yeah every every person that comes into your life is a lesson I fully believe that and you can always take something from a situation whether you get your heart broken or you break someone else's heart you're just growing as a person each time so Yeah. yeah I think everyone goes through different experiences of relationship whether you're together 25 years one year everyone will take something from it for sure
0: yeah and then um you know you mentioned social media um and obviously like we had it at our school times but I mean it's ramped up now I mean I work in the bloody sector so I mean I should know but um it's even it's more prevalent it's worse it's better I suppose it depends on how you look at whether you're a half full or half empty kind of person but um how do you kind of deal with that now? Because I think you know, even back in our like when we were at school, I mean, obviously we had social media, but I don't think it was, you know, there's that look now, isn't there? Where all girls have that same that same look. It's the done, it's the lips done up, it's the fake eyelashes, it's the tan. You know, there's that that social media look, so to say, um, which I don't think really existed back when we were at like sixth form or even maybe no. the start of uni. Uh, how do you kind of Do you use it less? Do you monitor how much you're using social media or do you kind of realise that it does sometimes um, overwhelm you and overtake you?
1: I think with something like that, it takes you to completely go cold turkey with it to realise how much it's affecting your way of thinking. Um, Mm. When you get something taken away from you, you you're forced to think differently and not think about that thing. So you'll kind of realise, oh my God, there was so much I was comparing myself to or relying on. Um, Yeah, no, I still 100% do rely on, do rely, do compare myself to um, other girls, absolutely, like, it's really hard not to, but I think uh, taking breaks from it, I took, like, a month break, and I just found myself not thinking about what anyone else was doing, and yeah, I feel like I could, I'd want to completely get rid of Instagram, but it's a really good way to stay in touch with people, um, which is the annoying thing, but yeah I think it's a it's a massive addiction and it can have a massive effect on your mental health in terms of your self-worth and comparing all oh, that person's in the Maldives right now and I'm not and they're obviously doing better than me like no it's just a video it's a photo it's you know you shouldn't you shouldn't compare and that's obviously very easy for someone to say that but it's, oh, yeah, not, yeah. it's not healthy, but you need to remove yourself from a situation or from a visual perspective of something to come, come out of it and just realize how stupid, not stupid, how how like brainwashed you were in and, and thinking that that's the way that you should be thinking or you think, you, you know what I mean?
0: no 100% and, and obviously just throughout this conversation I think the key word other than anxiety has been um, compare and comparison Yeah, and I mean that is just social media in a nutshell isn't it really like when you think about it whether it's you're comparing yourself to another person in terms of looks or whatever it may be or you're comparing let's say maybe even your relationship if you've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend and then you look at someone else and you're like oh my god they're always going away on weekends to Paris mm. to Milan to this to that and we always just sit at home and and you know or, or look at this person. They've just got um you've, they've just got an Audi and I'm still using you know for me in Madrid for example I'm using the metro for public transport twenty euros a month. I, I, so and so there's just an endless list of comparisons that you can make if you if you use social media in that way. Yeah. And I do think it can get. I hate to use the word toxic because I just think it's been so overused in the last mm-hmm. couple of years. Everything seems toxic these days, but I do think it can get toxic because it's like a little it's like a little demon that works its way into your your brain and then your soul and then it kind of just overtakes you uh and it like it overrides the system and before you know it you used like you said you used instagram to keep in touch with people to keep it on keep tabs on people you know just see like what your friends are up to that's what that's what social that's what it was all made for that's why it was invented and now you're using it for the complete opposite reasons now you're using it to actually um denegate yourself to talk bad to think badly about yourself. You don't realize it, but that's what you're doing. And obviously, if you suffer from anxiety and, like you said, com- comparison is kind of the the true evil of anxiety. Then I can't. Social media for me would must be like hell because obviously, as well, it's what I always think is that everyone only ever shows their best side on social media. Yeah. You know no one is ever going to if they've had an argument with their boyfriend they're not going to put that on social media nor should they by the way cuz no one wants to see that but but what they will do is if they've gone away to the weekend to Paris for example then they'll, they'll put 30 photos up and some mm. of them some people even save the photos don't they and then they'll repost like they'll post of of a Paris photo 6 months after they went on holiday so if you're not savvy you'll think, oh, my God, that person's in Paris again. You don't mm. realise that that was taken in the same three-day period. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly.
0: Uh, it's, a, it's, 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 it's an odd one. Um, how have you, like, now that it kind of – so obviously you've, you've gone on that uh, those social media hiatuses and realised how kind of um, dangerous they can be for your for your own mental health. What mm-hmm. is there anything else that you realised um, – you were doing whether it was i don't know going out with a certain set of friends i'm not expecting you to name them but or or i don't know maybe you were drinking too much maybe you were doing drugs socially that was the next day the come down or you know was there anything that you were doing that you realized kind of like the social media oh shit like this is not i think it's a good thing i think it's fun i think it's cool but in reality this or this person or whatever it may be the situation is isn't helping me if anything It's doing the opposite is actually worsening my anxiety was there anything else that you kind of realized
1: uh yeah I think my my social life was just like constant especially when I was at uni and when I left like I had a group of friends which a lot of them I still am friends with and absolutely no hard feelings to them because they're all great it's just they at that age because we were all younger we'd go out a lot go to raves do things we shouldn't do and then just keep doing it, keep doing it and keep doing it. Not to like a everyday kind of thing, but it'd be like every weekend or every other weekend. And it'd be so fun and we all love each other and it'd be great. And you just see that that's such a cool thing to do. And you think that's like, that's what you need to do to be cool. Um, And Mm. then I kind of, to be fair, kind of that all kind of ended when, well I want to say when I moved when I moved to London I wasn't really going out as much at all I kind of had to grow up a lot I got like a slap in the face like okay you're on your own now you can't you can't go do the things you've got to do you're paying a lot of money for rent like you need to be responsible and I think over those two years that I was there something good did come out of that and it did make it it woke me up a lot and Mm. you know what everyone goes out everyone parties everyone makes mistakes but I think uh you don't really realise what the important things are in life at that age when you're wrapped up in that kind of crowd. But um I'd say that my uh what's the word? My priorities are a lot more in place now and that's just part of growing up, I guess. And people some people are still out partying party and going crazy every weekend at the age of thirty. So I think it just depends how quickly you can snap out of it and where your morals are, I guess.
0: One hundred percent. That's what I was gonna say. I've met ne- like, you know me, like I on the on a good night out when it's you know when the time's right I'll party as much as the next man but I'm just not about that party life one all nah. the time it's just it's draining and like I just yeah. like it steals the happiness from tomorrow you know and I'm just like oh, I'd much rather have like a a level a leveled out life rather than like these amazing highs and then like the next day just the worst low you can imagine
1: yeah it's lows um, and highs it's 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 like one minute you're having such a good time and then the next day you're feeling like worse than you've ever felt before and it's like you can't be chasing those highs all the time because it's only going to lead to long-term sadness if you know what I mean so yeah 100% yeah yeah
0: yeah. And, and as well you have to realize that like as much as obviously alcohol and all that stuff and even maybe you know um I don't know if that, with the, with the term is social drugs, but, you know, I'm, you know, the drugs that you might take at parties that aren't exactly mm. the hardest, you know, it's not heroin we're talking about, MDMA, LSD, whatever it may be, weed. But some of these drugs are, you know, the, and alcohol, they are like depressants. They are, they're not good for you. So when you're doing them every single weekend or some people maybe even within the week, uh and then you're trying to also then live a normal life in the sense of um maintaining your job paying for your rent whatever it may be and you're burning both you're burning the wick at both ends eventually <laughs> you're gonna burn out there's just no way that you can keep that lifestyle up do you know what i mean and and then that's when you kind of come crashing down um like an almighty force and i think it's just better maybe if you can maybe not ever arrive at that point but if you do arrive at that point then just, like you said take lessons out of it there's always something that we can learn from whatever it is that you're going through you've um you've seen so obviously that's kind of you've as moving out to marlborough and all the rest of it it's not exactly like you're going to be going to raves every uh every day probably more likely to go into farmers <laughs> markets but um <laughs> but is there i've seen that you've been kind of into like um cbt cognitive behavioral therapy and on your instagram and stuff and has has that do you want to kind of speak a bit to that and and like your interest in it and how that kind of came about and what really you're doing
1: um so i got interested in that because i had a cbt therapy session with this woman and it was kind of like i didn't really look into the difference between therapy and counseling but counseling is more talk therapy and therapy is like kind of the aim to reprogram your ways of thinking and behavioral patterns um so that just really intrigued me because I wasn't too sure and still are I'm still I'm not too sure about the way that I think about things and the way that I look about things and why but it all just stems down to your upbringing on how not not necessarily your upbringing as in like everything that you kind of uh, go through at a younger age especially before the age of like 10. Um, yeah your life
0: experiences.
1: Yeah, so like the way that you're told that things are right and wrong and your perception of money, your perception of relationships and the way that you should be living your life, whether you get married or not, or your morals, blah, blah, blah. But all of that affects your mental health and you develop a bias feeling which affects your perception of your life situations going forward. And to kind of reprogram your brain, you need to you need to revisit the traumas, not necessarily traumas, but situations in your life that have made you have that perception now it's all it's quite hard to revisit that sometimes or sometimes you won't know what to revisit but it's all about cbt therapy is all about trying to get things out of you in small doses that eventually Mm. lead to the answer of why you do think like that or why suddenly something will trigger you to be feeling depressed or cry or whatever um you can break those barriers and it is totally doable i just don't think a lot of people believe that to be true.
0: Yeah. And I think, I listen, I've never done it. So I am talking from a place of absolute ignorance here, but I think and from what I've heard, because everyone who's done therapy, whatever therapy they've done, whether it's drama therapy, CBT, or art therapy, or whatever it may be, everyone always recommends it. But I think what's so important is um, kind of the, the thing that everyone has in common is you need that expert to kind of lead your hand down that path. Mm-hmm. And that, it's almost impossible to, to go down that path by yourself. You know, that's why these people train for years on end and rack up a huge student debt is because you have to be a real expert in it. And I, from yeah. what I hear, it sounds impossible to do that without the right. And also it's about getting the right therapist. Now, I know, I know a couple of my friends who maybe they might have done CBT, but it's just the person that they were doing it with. It didn't really fit right. And then they would jump mm-hmm. from one person to the other. And then eventually they found that man or woman who would help, who, who they just felt comfortable with. And then before they knew it, they were off and running. Was that yeah. similar to you or did you kind of strike it off from the from the get-go?
1: Sorry, the, uh, the line cracked up a little bit then. Can you just repeat that last bit?
0: Yeah, was it similar? Like I was saying that some of my friends, um, they would jump between um, one therapist to another before they kind of felt comfortable. Was that similar with you or did you kind of strike it off from the from the very get-go with the, with your, the first therapist that you came in contact with?
1: Uh, yeah, a lot of them are very different. I've had one that's been really good, but obviously I moved down south and she was up north. Um, but then I had one down here recently and he... I'm not. I wasn't like dissing his way of doing CBT. Everyone's different, but he made me feel very uncomfortable. And kind of, he'd say things like, um, "Oh well, if you just thought in this way, if you stop thinking the way that you do, then you'll be happy." And I was kind of like, <laughs> "Great, well, cheers." What? This is coming from like a, an actual psychologist here. Like, how, like, what? What planet are you on? And he just like he kind of like he'd be like, "Okay, so why do you think you think like that?" I'm like, "Well, I don't. I don't, I don't know." you're meant to be here to help me. I don't know. I I think, I think he just, I'm really not sure, but that, that, that session didn't last very long. Um, but yeah, it does matter what therapist you have and specific knowledge because a lot of them work on trauma or they'll be specific to people with like OCD or specific to anxiety or getting out of depression. So definitely do your research and definitely test water with them because yeah sometimes it can be like not beneficial at all
0: yeah and also at the end of the day I mean you are the client and you I mean it's not cheap is it so don't yeah. you know if you don't feel comfortable with that person better to get out before you'll end up wasting yeah. you know hundreds if not thousands of pounds with that same person that you could have better spent with someone else and, and, that, and that time as well not just the money but the amount of time going to see them and whatever else um so, I think we're kind of segueing perfectly into um, the how do you k- keep your shit together. We kind of touched on it a, a bit anyway, but you said that you had um, a bit of a a bit of a, um, a kind of out there way to keep on top of your shit mentally. So I'm just going to play the jingle because, just frankly, because I love the jingle, uh, and then after that, after that, you can tell me all about how you keep your shit together. right that's it i mean just bangs but yeah so do you want to do you want to go ahead and tell us what it is that you do that helps you keep your shit together maybe people can learn and uh, adopt your techniques
1: yeah for sure uh so one of my um one of my close friends actually helped really help me with this. Um, he's a professional sports player and he really, really helped me because he's been through depression before due to an injury. And I was kind of asking him cause I know he's a very smart guy. I was asking like, how, how did you get out of this and what did you do? And he just said to me, I life hacked my way out of it. Um, and then he started to explain to me that he started forming little habits, um, so when you're kind of lacking a sense of control and la- lacking sense of direction and focus and it, it all stems from little habits that you do so we tell me okay for the next three days I want you to wake up and I want you to drink a pint of water straight away and I want you to do that for three days and then I want you to do the next three days I want you to drink a pint of water every day and then I want you to get up and go for a 45 minute walk before you get home and go for a shower and he said, keep building these little habits, like step by step, day by day by day, and eventually your brain will get used to these and see it as a habit that you can't really stop doing, or you'll feel agitated if you don't do it. Form healthy habits, and your life will get better, and you'll see that 100. percent. And he was totally right. Um, another thing that I do, uh, which he was also telling me about, and I have read up on this too, practice being grateful for what you've got, even though you might not feel it, just. Especially now, there's a coronavirus going on, and people don't really have, you know, that they need to be as grateful as they possibly can for what they've got. Practice being grateful for what you've got three things per day. So, write it down either in the morning or in the evening and say, for example, okay, today I'm grateful for that I've woken up. Or at the end of the day, you could say, I'm really grateful today that the delivery man delivered my post on time like little things big things whatever you want just write them down put them in your memory book and it creates like a burst of serotonin in your brain that makes you feel good so it might it might not feel like a big thing that you're doing but in your brain it is and you're, it's, you're, mm. pre- you're programming your brain to think positively and think of the better outcomes of situation um another thing that i do is and i obviously a lot of people do meditate and it is very very hard to get into and it takes a lot of practice and it is difficult and it is hard to quiet your mind but if you start doing your meditation like download an app i use headspace myself um, and you need to specifically meditate about something about one thing whether that's you need to meditate around the facts or around like say if you've had a really busy day just make just just make it your intention in that meditation to feel calmer. I want to feel calmer, so you practice meditation around that. Or, say if you wanted to get a specific job, or you needed to, I don't know, you want to meditate about making your mum feel good. You kind of specifically meditate around those good feelings and stick them to that specific thing that you wanna, that you want to happen in your life, or that you're that you're worried about. Like, stick, make sure that you like almost put a stamp on things, put like a positive stamp on what you want the outcome to be of a situation. Mm-hmm. um it's lot harder than it sounds but it's it, it kind of it just keeps your mood up about certain things and it doesn't let you mind it's, it's important to step away from your life and literally just think about being in the present
0: yeah um, I, I I agree I I like use um calm yeah like I, I, I sometimes I go into like periods where i'll be really good with it and i'm really on top of it and i'll do it every day before i go to sleep or or whatever it may be and then i'll go through like a month or 2 And just i always say i haven't got the time which is nonsense because it's 10 minutes or it can even be less it can be five minutes if you want it to be but yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to keep on top of but i i can see the benefits when i do it so it kind of makes it even more stupid that i'm not doing it every day but i i would 100 agree with what you what you've just said there 100 yeah
1: sure. perfect well
0: if we actually just before we end um you are going to morocco in yes, september coronavirus permitting yeah um, so do you want to kind of just tell people about that i'll put the um the GoFundMe link in the link of of this podcast and we'll share it on our social medias as well um Thank but you. do you want to just tell people about that um what 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 you're doing it why you're doing it for and how people can help
1: sure thing so uh me and my friend ellie are doing a, uh, a mountain trek in Morocco on the 9th to 13th of September for the Mental Health Foundation. Um, obviously there's a big reason why I'm doing it and a lot of that I have just told you and I actually have a family member who suffers quite badly. Um, I don't see him anymore but it's it's one of those things I don't really have the resources to help him. Um But that's another story for another time. But I, uh, yeah, she Ellie's father actually passed away back in uh, September two thousand and nineteen, and we both just really want to do something to make a difference and just to challenge ourselves and break our own barriers. So, any donations would be overly appreciated, and we uh, hopefully we'll be able to complete it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, hopefully. I mean, that would be an absolute bummer if that got cancelled. But look, that's. I mean, what. months five months away so Mm. we're hoping that by then it should have this should have all passed over you've you've done amazing haven't you've already kind of um you've already got a thousand pounds or something from donations Mm -hmm. which is
1: done pretty well we want we want to hopefully get around four thousand uh because ellie also wants to donate to british heart foundation because her dad died of a heart attack so yeah we're going to try and get as much as we can and um hopefully this coronavirus leaves us and we can um get travelling to where we want to travel to.
0: Perfect. Well, if you want to help um, Leah and Ellie climb up the Atlas Mountains in Morocco for the Mental Health Foundation, go to their GoFundMe page, which you can see in the description of this podcast below or in any of our social media, and um, we'll put it there as well be generous guys, help out and offer as much money as you can. And it was all going to a good cause. And, um, if you just want to do it out of just spite, because you want to see Leah sweating up a, a mountain in Morocco, then that's a good enough reason as well. I mean, that's probably why I
1: I think a lot of people <laughs> would love to pay to see me walking up a mountain for three days and sleeping in yeah. a tent.
0: <laughs> exactly. That's, that's why I'm donating, you know, enough of this country life and horses, but I want to see you rough it. So <laughs> look, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on Leah. Um, Good to speak to you. Unfortunately, we can't, We didn't do this in person as was planned, but um, we will definitely see each other soon. And it's been really insightful to listen to your story. and Hopefully, people have learned from it.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much for having me, Seb. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.